This is a No Good People production. Hey, good people. Welcome back to another episode of the No Good People podcast, celebrating good people through good conversation. I'm your host, Vera Smith-Winfrey, and my guest today is Deanna Murphy, owner of Passports and Platters, also known as Chef D. Deanna is a seasoned hospitality professional with a passion for providing stellar customer service, specializing in event management, sales, and customer service. A graduate of Johnson & Wales University, Dee holds degrees in food and service management and hospitality administration management. Dee is not only an exceptional chef, she's also a philanthropist and an author. Each year, she is dedicated to raising funds for an aspiring hospitality or culinary arts student headed to college. And she's also currently writing a book, Teach Her How to Cook, a recipe book dedicated to her daughter, Gia. I've known Dee for a very long time, And one of my favorite things about it is her motto, here for a good time, not a long time. Welcome, Chef D, and thank you for being part of the No Good People family. Thank you for having me. It's good, good, good. So D, tell us where you're from and where did you grow up? I am from Windsor, Connecticut. Um, I grew up in the greater Hartford area. Um, Went to Windsor Public Schools um, and graduated from Windsor um, High School, actually, and then um, went to college at Johnson & Wales University. Um, when I got to Johnson & Wales University, um, I majored in uh, bacon and pastry um, arts. However, I took up a passion for just the culinary um, department overall. Then after doing my undergrad um, in hospitality management and food service management, um, I went ahead and did my master's at the same um, college, Johnson House, and I got that in hospitality management and event management, um, a master's in that um, with a minor in business education, uh, business administration, sorry. Um, so yeah, so it kind of just took me through the path um, from Connecticut, small, small state, and Kind of moved around, went to Charlotte, lived in Charlotte for school, and then Rhode Island for my master's program. So, yeah. Nice, nice. So, you know, what led to your interest in culinary arts? And maybe I should ask, when was the first time you knew that you wanted to be a chef? Ooh, so when I was younger, well, I come from a family that enjoys cooking. Uh, My grandparents, they cook for people. Um, my dad's father actually owned the first restaurant that was on Albany Avenue. Um, mm-hmm. it was called our Jamaican restaurant. I'm sorry. It was called Island. Okay. I'm not going to lie. It's called Island something, <laughs> but is it Island um, cuisine? Was it Island cuisine? I think it was Island cuisine. Yep. Yep. It was. He owned it. Well, I wasn't alive when he owned it, but heard pretty good things from people around the Hartford area, but when I was younger, I would always like help out in the kitchen. I was super fascinated with the way that people moved around the kitchen, like people that knew their way. So my grandparents mm-hmm. or just watching cooking shows and see how they like pick up things and know what tools use for what. So it always interested me in that way. Um, To be honest with you, never thought I would take it this far. I always kind of, to be honest, I always wanted to be a lawyer. I was very argumentative as a kid knew that I was always going to be right. I always 
was focused on being a lawyer. It wasn't until I got to, so middle school, they had a culinary arts program. Didn't really take up too much thought after that either. It wasn't until I got to high school. In high school, I was a part of two groups. One was called DECA and the other one was called Family, uh, sorry, FCCLA. They still are very um, present in high schools today. Um, but I was able to be a part of that those two groups um, that allowed me to see the financial business side from DECA and then the consumer side, um, the family consumer side from FCCLA. And in those groups, it kind of just, well, the, the director of that group was my culinary arts teacher. She definitely helped me pave the way for what I wanted to do. I She allowed me to pretty much do my own thing. Came in as a freshman, not too many, and not too many people get that class as a freshman. It's more of a selective program, not really lottery, but it is a public school. So it's just, it's not a first come first serve. It's just kind of based on random selection. I was selected freshman year and I loved it. I enjoyed it. I also think that me watching a lot of cooking shows, whether it was Rachel Ray or Rachel Contessa, those kitchen kitchen shows when I was younger, kind of helped me to navigate my way in the kitchen as a freshman. And naturally, well, I've been told, naturally, I am a leader. Um, So it was a, it was a little different for me because I was in the kitchen with people that's never been in the kitchen before, never picked up a pot and pan. Parents don't, didn't let them um, have a oh, hand wow. in the kitchen. So it was kind of shocker for me that somebody would be 15, 14 years old and didn't know how to cook, especially coming from a family that cooks. Um, mm-hmm. So... I was able to kind of take my leadership skills and help them navigate the kitchen. I'm not really bossing around, but kind of still, you know, tell them what to do. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was like, you know, I love that part. But then I also enjoyed the part of just actually like cooking and people trying our food and seeing their faces, um, seeing their faces just like light up. But it wasn't until... So sophomore year, I took culinary arts too. Um, And that's when my teacher proposed to me to take baking and pastry. And I'm like, absolutely not. Like, I am not doing that. But I took it just because there was a a lady. um, She, I can't remember her name right now. But she, she actually administered the baking and pastry class. And that was a selective group of students. So you were handpicked for that program. Oh, wow. So I was handpicked for that program and I was able to kind of find my passion. I started baking galore. Like I literally summers baking, off days baking, Saturdays, whenever I got out of sports, baking, Sunday dinner, baking. Like it didn't matter what it was. I just fell in love with baking. And then I took culinary three. I took baking and pastry arts too. Um, and so by junior year, I decided to host a bake sale in school. Personally, I didn't have any, I didn't know what I was going to sell. I didn't know how much I was going to sell it for, but Mm -hmm. I figured it out. I sold cookies. I sold, it was for Valentine's Day. I sold little Hershey kiss cookies. So it was like a shortbread cookie with a Hershey kiss in the inside. I Mm -hmm. I, um, sold chocolate chip cookies with um red like sprinkles um I sold chocolate cake with like a what kind of drizzle it was like a German chocolate German pecan drizzle or something it was very different um 
But I showed that to teachers and students at school. A, I got in trouble for it because most of the students are public. <laughs> but I mean, they bought it. I'm not going to out their names, but they definitely <laughs> bought it. Teachers and students. And the feedback was out of this world. And as when I was 15, 16 years old, they were like, yo, this is, this is, this is you. Like, this is what you need to do for your life. And I was like, absolutely not. I'm going to be a lawyer, but I could run a bakery on the side. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, I got to be a lawyer, like whatever. But I started after that. Um, That was February. So then the summer I was just baking and people were like calling me like grown adults, like, Hey, can you bake this for me? And I'm like, no. And they're like, well, you, I heard you bake. Or my mom or dad would be like, hey, I'm going somewhere. Can you like whip this together for me so I don't come empty handed? And I'm like, okay, whatever. So that's how I kind of got into it. And then it mm -hmm. just became a passion. And um, the reason why I, the biggest reason I fell in love with it is because it was, it was a stress reliever for me. I definitely use baking and cooking as my outlet. Mm. It's kept me out of trouble. I mean, you've known me for a while, so it was a little rocky at first. But <laughs> um, <laughs> I, it, my, my parents, as my witness, could tell you that, like, it, I turned, my behavior turned around completely once I found an outlet. I was able to just express myself in a natural way that wasn't mm -hmm. an outburst. It wasn't disrespectful. And so that's just kind of how I connected with it. So emotionally, I was very connected to cooking and baking. And I still feel that way too. And I think that's why I still do it. But mm -hmm. once, if I, if it left me, then that's, that's just it. Um, but I cook more than I bake now, but baking was my first, my first love. And then, yeah, kind of, kind of just worked out, worked itself out. for. And I've tasted... And I've tasted a ton of your baking um, and it is very good. It's not Thank good you. for my waistline or my hips, but it is very good indeed. Thank um, you. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, so how'd you come up with the name Passports and Platters and why? So originally my business was named Butterfly Pastries. That's when I was just strictly pastries. Um, I was 15 years old when I, or sorry, 16 years old when I registered it. Um, and I didn't know anything about business. I, mm -hmm. I let, I just wanted the name. So I bought the name and I bought a domain on Wix and I was like, Hey, this is my business. You know, take it from me. Um, and then as I got older, went to college, really wasn't interested in selling food, catering, any of that. Um, just cause I was busy working for other people and once maybe what was it during covid um during covid i came up with i was living in dc and i came up with this thing um called grits and gossip it was mm. kind of like a podcast but it really wasn't um i would literally just have brunch with my friends and we would sit down and record our conversations um so i guess kind of like a podcast but never went anywhere um but we would literally eat brunch and talk and one day we kind of we were just talking about business um and if we like we all have our own businesses some of us three of us were chefs um and then some of them are in event management um so we just kind of were talking about like different names 
And if we could do it all over again, what would we do different? Yada, yada, yada. And I told them, you know, I would really focus on being a traveling catering service. Um, I didn't want to be local. Um, I didn't want to be just local. I didn't want people, especially for me, I've lived pretty much every place on the East Coast. Um, Mm -hmm. So it was it was kind of hard to pick up business and start all over again in another another city. Um, So I think the name came through because just sitting there and kind of really thinking, like, how do how can I identify that I'm not just in the space that I'm currently living like I can travel I can go here and then I didn't want to just stick with pastries because I've done way more than pastries so you know I'm a full full service catering service well except for the bar but as far as food related I could cater anything so I actually got a call when I was during COVID and um, a lady was hosting an event in Turks and Caicos called me and asked me if I can come there and for a week and honestly just shooting a crap coming up with names talking to my mom and I told her that one and she's like I kind of like that and I'm like me too passports (laughs) yeah thank you passports is obviously because I'm mobile I travel and then platters based on just food some some way to tie into food so not really Thank you. <laughs> I didn't really have like a a full story on it because it just kind of was just one of those things where we were just talking. So, yeah. Yeah, but it's so creative and it's so descriptive and it really does lend itself to what you do and how you do it. Right. And that you're willing to go anywhere. So I think that's really, you know, I think it's very clever um, and I can't imagine you doing something or having any other name but that quite frankly oh <laughs> don't change it <laughs> will. you also need to come up with a t-shirt or aprons or something like that for it i do i do have some merch um it's well it just was designed so once i uh, the website is under construction right now so once mm-hmm. that's fully up and running it will be on there if people would, would like to buy t-shirts i have t-shirts aprons and hats for now Trying to get some oven mitts, but yeah, I get it. One thing at I a totally time. totally get it. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely. It is always one thing at a time because you can get kind of lost in doing so much with all of your ideas that you never really focus on one thing. And so it's great that, you know, again, take your time doing it, of course. Um, I guess mm-hmm. I have a question also about some of your other experiences, because I know that at one point you had worked in restaurant management and mm-hmm. you had been like a banquet and catering lead and mm-hmm. other companies. And so that kind of contributed to your experience and your management style, correct? Correct. Yes. So I worked for a Italian restaurant. It was called Brio. And I started in college. One of my roommates, it was from Ohio. And one of my roommates is from Ohio. So she kind of put me on, oh, actually my whole entire dorm room on. Um, we all worked there. We started off at the back of the house and I had a goal that by the end of college, I wanted to learn every area of the restaurant. That way, if I wanted to have my own, I would do that. So I moved up the ladder as quick as I can. You never really know your true work ethic as a kid until you become an adult. Mm -hmm. That's how I felt. And so I know people always told me like, oh, yeah, hard work pays off, but I've never seen it. And then when I made my goal of making sure I touched every area of restaurant before of the restaurant industry before I graduated it was definitely a good feeling um so I worked the host stand I worked as a server 
worked as a server assistant um, in like, depending on the capacity if they needed someone. Um, so that that's equal to like a busser. Worked in the back of the house, worked as a sous chef, worked as a restaurant manager, assistant restaurant manager, assistant GM. Yeah, and I've also done like catering leads. I was the regional catering manager for the Northeast area for Brio Mm -hmm. for a point in Mm -hmm. time. So I was back and forth from here to, it was Connecticut, New um, New York, Long Island. New Jersey, Cherry Hill, and that's where our region stopped. But if there was sometimes I needed to go down to Charlotte, I would go back and forth. So that was like a thing. Yeah. So I kind of made my way around the restaurant mm-hmm. and it helped me to be um, the person I am today in the kitchen and just help my management style. And then also I worked in event management. So I definitely did. I catered events mm-hmm. to that capacity, but I also worked as an event manager or so or sales manager however you want to say it um so I worked with the logistical side building up the events figuring out client needs budget needs all that good stuff working with um corporate so and social clients I did that in DC and I did that in Charlotte one of my major events or biggest events and biggest accomplishments was um the 2019 all-star weekend I hosted three events one being Kimball Walker's um, one being Young Jeezy's and um, another one. Um, I was just a co-manager on it, but it was Michael Jordan's party. Um, oh, wow. So, wow. yeah, I was able to work as an event manager. So the setup, the breakdown, the logistics, the security, like literally everything that went into that event, I was able to kind of put that help and put that together. And then other small and large events. I worked with Bank of America, Wells Fargo, a lot of Fortune 500 countries and uh, companies in Charlotte. And then when I got to D.C., obviously, a lot more government regulated companies like Deloitte, uh, HUD, that kind of those kind of groups of people. So it was cool. It was cool. And then I sounds more than cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I'd be cool about it. But yeah, it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I also know that um, you mentioned to me in the past that you do meal prep. So how'd you get uh-huh. into that? And how do you find your customers? So meal prep, who's, I hated meal prep um, years ago. If you would have asked me to do it, I would have told you no. No, there's no way I'm sitting here making food for someone else when I'm hungry. So no, in that capacity, like for a whole week, it wasn't something I was interested in. Um, it kind of changed based on needs. With COVID happening, um, mm. And me moving out of the DMV area, moving back up to Connecticut, I took a job opportunity here. But on the flip side, I had a lot more free time. I had a few people that knew because I grew up here that I catered and cooked and just took a few years off, wasn't really doing too much. And they would consistently ask me like, hey, whenever you can, if you can set me up with meal prep, like some type of meal prep. And obviously meal prep was a big thing, right? Prior to COVID, people just trying to stay healthy. So I'll be completely honest. My meal prep is not in any way, it's not unhealthy, but I'm not advertising the healthy lifestyle of it. The reality of it is my meal prep is to help families, working families that are just maybe a little too busy to take Mm -hmm. that extra time out to cook or just have busy lives, sports engagements, have, you know, multiple children doing multiple things, or they have their their own businesses of their own. 
those are my target audience mm-hmm. opposed to the healthy gym fit meal prep. You know, I'm not, it. I Got still it. season, I still do everything, but everything's done <laughs> on a family <laughs> scale. So I put everything together as um pretty much like feeding three to three to four people. Okay. If you have more than three to four people in your family, that's fine as well. I'll just adjust, you know, my quantity. But basically my meal prep is set up to do family style with the intent of leftovers. So you'll get um, half pans of food with the sides and then I drop it off, delivery, all that good stuff. And basically you kind of just feast on it for however many days. The, the lowest amount of days I'll do is three. Um, and I typically don't do weekends. So three, four or five days. So you get to choose. So you can choose when you want the pickup and the drop off. Um, but when I drop it off, it is for those five days. And most families, they take the opportunity. And then what they do is leave some for leftovers if they don't eat it all. So it's been working right now. I have currently I have three families that I'm meal prepping for and it works. You know, some some families have done three. Some people do five days. But what I do is I roll out a menu for the month. They choose what week they want to go. It is a week to week basis. So I you know, if you don't want it, let's just say you go on vacation next week and say, hey, D, I'm not going to need it next week. Okay, cool. We won't do it then. But I always ask for the orders to be um, sent by the Friday before. So if you say, hey, Got it. I want meal prep for these three days. Can I have Can I have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday schedule or meal prep? And so I said, okay, cool. Then I'll make the invoice, send it over. And then we make the deposit and then I'll be able to drop it off either Sunday, Monday for you of the following. So. Do you find that individuals who are interested in meal prep and your clientele is very diverse? It is starting to be. Okay. So at first it was based on who I knew, who I knew that knew me pretty much and mm-hmm. had a need for it. Now I'm starting to get a lot more inquiries from other families that mm-hmm. are more diverse or a little diverse um, than I am. I'm African-American. So I did have an interest from a Muslim family. So that obviously is going to change in the way I prep things, cook things, right, um, right. you know, so with the halal or if they're, they don't eat pork or, you know, certain, certain religious reasons, they, they mm-hmm. have dietary mm-hmm. needs. So I am starting to see more of that. And I thank God for the business. So just because their dietary needs change doesn't mean that I won't be able to work with them. So um, I try to keep things streamlined, but for some reason, if it's a dietary restriction or allergy or something like that, I'm able to switch it up. It's not a problem. Have you enjoyed meal prep now? Because initially you said, you know, if someone had asked you a few years ago, you said absolutely not. But now do you find that you're enjoying a little bit more? Yeah, for sure. I enjoy it. Um, I think I enjoy it just because when I think about how I thought about it before, I mean, granted, I was young, but sometimes you have to do what you don't want to do to get where you want to get. So absolutely, I think when meal prep is definitely gotten me in the mood of this is your business, mm-hmm. whether you like it or not, you have to grind hard with the meal prep and look how many families I'm acquiring or people's asking mm-hmm. about me. It forced me to update my website. So that's why it's under construction to even offer a meal prep service. It helped me, honestly, 
ignite more people. Some people weren't privy to all the different meats and things you can do with certain foods, mm-hmm. ways you can make food edible to a child. You know, they like chicken tenders. But if you switch it up and kind of do the chicken tenders in a different way, or let's just say I have a family, kids really love salmon, but they only like seasoned salmon, nothing on it, nothing. They just literally want like a plain seasoning, obey, and that's it. Got it. Turn their life around. They get honey garlic salmon every week. Every week. They literally love it. Like, they literally love it. And so just kind of seeing how it's actually helping other families Mm -hmm. realize that the food industry is more than, it's just more than consumption. It's an art, you know? Um, Right. So it kind of, I like it now. You know, and it allows um, people to experience food, you know, very yeah. differently, right? Because yeah. each week it's something different, or it can be something different, mm-hmm. and that you know that there is so much to, or there's so many ways to create food. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for I sure. love it. I love that idea. I should probably take you up on that at least once, because well, I, mean, I don't mind cooking, but <laughs> sometimes it would be nice to actually have you know a week of meal prep. So I yes. never really thought about it doing it for myself because, you know, as, mm-hmm. as the industry always promotes it, it's always about, well, one, it's always for, or it appears to be always for the rich and famous, right? That's one. Mm-hmm. And two, it's always, it's, you only hear about it advertised regarding like healthy meal plans, right? Not beyond that. Right. So right. this is a nice way to know that, you know, other families or families can take um, part in this and as well as individuals who have a busy livestock and take part in this too mm-hmm. yeah exactly. that's really cool so I mentioned also in my intro that you're writing a book dedicated to your daughter and I know uh-huh. that you're a new mom so congratulations <laughs> thank you <laughs> um, so tell us how motherhood has motivated you to do more but also why you chose to um, or you know, came up with the idea to write a book got it um, so I've always wanted to write a cookbook always first it was me and my roommates were going to write one um we were going to take a section 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 um and then that just was a blanket idea never happened um and then um always talked to I had a younger sister um who passed away um uh and she kind of would literally be like you know send me recipes do you like when I was in college or um, even after college, she was like, oh, can I, can I make this with you and stuff like that? So I'm like, okay, let me just give this girl a recipe and she can do it on herself. But <laughs> kind of that kind of mot- motivated me to want to write a cookbook. And then I would just have like family members or friends just like, hey, D, can you send me, your, send me a recipe for this? And I'm like, uh, no. But <laughs> I realized that sometimes people, Google's there, you know, and mm-hmm. I get it. But sometimes that's your opportunity to show what you know and show your skill set. So I just kind of stopped saying, go look it up. And now I'm like, okay, I'll send you a recipe. Or if I have one of my own, that's one thing I did work on fresh out of college. I was working on creating recipes. Mm -hmm. So like my cakes, my pound cakes, I know you've ordered some from me before. That is my recipe. (laughs) That is my recipe. It is mine. It is mine. It is mine. And so what a few other things I have created, I've written down that recipe and then I, that's mine. 
So with that being said, I have a few stored up and I wanted to obviously always kind of write a some type of recipe book or a cookbook. But it wasn't until last year I was offered a position, which is my current job. I teach culinary art at a middle school in Windsor and in, I guess, some in high school for the summer. But it wasn't until last year where I seen that I use my recipes on the students and just kind of see their side of it, their perspective. They enjoyed the food. Their parents enjoyed the food. They, I received so many emails um and calls and texts just like hey thanks for teaching my kid how to cook can you send me that pasta alfredo recipe like hey can you send me that brown stew recipe like it's just a lot of things and certain to be honest with you i don't sit down and take measurements until like the third or fourth time of perfection so Mm -hmm. it was just really like pour this a dab of that add this (laughs) next time don't do that so it's hard for me to write down exactly what I did, how I did it, and why I did it. But that's the whole science behind culinary arts or food science. Yes, yes absolutely. Science. So being able to tie that into my career, um, I was able to kind of just look, take a step back and look at and see how people, how my recipes are impacting families and homes. And then I had an unexpected God-given gift of a baby. Um, So her name is Gia. Um, She was born in September. And I already knew I was going to write a cookbook. I already had the recipes picked out, just needed to perfect them, had it set up to take pictures with a photographer of the food, like the whole knot. Then life happened and Mm -hmm. had a kid. So it kind of slowed everything down. However, um, I'm very spiritual, spiritually driven, and I was just in tune with the Most High. And during my pregnancy, I was getting um, a lot of re- revelations about just my life and mm-hmm. um, about my business. Um, and these are these are how where I'm at today is answered prayer. So just with the business itself is definitely answered uh, answered prayer that I've been praying on for a long time. Just just to be able to even be on this podcast and talk about the business. So I think God was kind of giving me ideas about the business. And to be honest with you, the flesh of me, I'm like, yeah, that is not on my mind. Yeah, God, I'll get with you when I get with you. Like, (laughs) it really wasn't, I wasn't even pushing the envelope on the business. I'm like, I'm pregnant. You want me to worry about this business? Like, no, like, absolutely not. So I had I was in the shower could you no lie and I didn't know what I wanted to do with the 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 book I didn't even know what I wanted to name it but I knew that I wanted to get it out and don't hold me to this people but I kind of really want to drop it um on my daughter's birthday this year I am dedicating the book to her when I was in the shower I literally wanted to I, I keep asking God, why did you make me a teacher? Like, why am I here? This is not in my, nowhere on my resume said I wanted to be in education. Like, why would you place me here? And I couldn't figure it out until one day I was in the shower. And honestly, it was just came to me. And it was like, all right, with the cookbook, tie it all together. So came up with the name, Teacher How to Cook. So it literally says the word teacher, um, how to cook. However, because I wanted to dedicate this to my daughter, I put parentheses around the H-E-R of teacher. So it really says, teach her how to cook. 
so that's how I came up with the name. It was really, really, really spiritually driven. Um, but how to tie all of that into my career, my current career, and why I'm here, I believe. Um, and I could be wrong. But I, every quarter, this is my second year teaching, never was in education. Literally, how I got here was a phone call. Hey, I need to call a New York teacher. You kept, literally, I, you were on my mind. I didn't even, I don't even really know you. I know your mother. And she gave me your number. What is it going to take for me to get you here? Literally wow. how the conversation mm-hmm. went. And I moved back home. This mm-hmm. is how I'm here. But every quarter I have the students write on an index card. One thing, um, one dish that they made that they really enjoyed. And then one thing they enjoyed about me being their teacher. And the feedback is just, it makes me emotional at times. Because to be honest with you, I feel like, I'm just a regular, regular teacher. Like you just there, you go to work every day, <laughs> mm-hmm, you come home, mm-hmm. like you're doing your job, you're learning. Okay. But mm-hmm. to know that I'm making such an impact, impact you know, yeah. in the kid's yeah. life is just great. Um, so what I've done is archived all of those comments and I'm putting them in the book and based on not, not everybody's comment won't make it. I'll be honest. Um, but <laughs> I am putting it in a book based on the rest of the also the dishes that they chose as their favorites okay okay so Got for it. instance my pasta alfredo uh, my chicken alfredo i have so much feedback about that so with that being said i'm going to take that dish put it in the cookbook take some of those comments and put them in the cookbook so kids parents and you know whoever else is reading the book or using the book to their um in their kitchen can see how it how it impacted the next kid. Got it. So, um, yeah. So it's just really a cookbook, and I know it's dedicated. I know it says teacher how to cook, but this book is for everybody. I don't want everybody, no one, to think that it's just targeted towards little girls. No, little boys can read it. Whoever, wherever, right? If you have a dog that can read, they can read, <laughs> so, or cook. You know, whatever. I'm cool, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's just the it's not so much about the recipes, but also about the story, right? And learning what it could mean to you and how it, what it means to you and how it could also be an inspiration to other people is equally as important as the recipes itself. Right, right, exactly. I love that story, but I also um, love how inspiring you are. And I have to tell you how proud of you I am (laughs) because I have known you for a very, very long time. Um, and it's been and a, so <laughs> a turnaround, <laughs> but it's a beautiful oh, story, you know what I mean? And because, and you share a beautiful journey and it was important for me to make sure that I shared this journey with other people because, you know, sometimes people really feel as if like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have so many talents and how many things I'm interested in. I don't know what it is that I do best. But I don't think you have to know. I don't think you have to have all the answers all the time. And I think one thing that your journey absolutely demonstrates is the importance of it's okay to say no to jobs, but it's not okay to say no to opportunities. And you really embrace a host of different opportunities just so you can find (laughs) your skill set. And that's amazing. That's incredible. That's really incredible. A lot of people don't do that. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, I don't know. Okay. You know, like, I mean, I'd be able to afford it. And hey, like, you know, myself, I've certainly fallen into that rut. Like, I don't know how I'm going to get that done. So maybe not right now. Right. But you never know what your right now is based on what God tells you right now is. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm a firm believer in faith. 
like I said, I'm more spiritual than religious. I'll be completely honest, but Mm -hmm. I believe that God and, you know, the the most high, I should say, is in everything. And Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. I, I, I take faith jumps all the time, faith journeys all the time, but nothing like my pregnancy, nothing like this business. These are new faith journeys that I'm just kind of letting take its course. And I haven't had a single negative thing to say about it. Now I'm tired some days. I am definitely tired, but these are answered prayers. So, um, you know, to anybody that's listening, if you have something that you want to do, um, or it's been racking your brain, um, or there's quote unquote coincidences, nothing in life. Yes, a coincidence, but there's a reason why I really believe that is God behind a coincidence. That is how he communicates sometimes. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So I would say to where I am now, yeah, it, it it's a coincidence to some people. It's a shocker to me. I didn't think I was going to be here. <laughs> Who knew I was going to be in culinary? Who knew that I would really be working with people every single day? I didn't. Like I told you, I want to be a lawyer. Shut my door, get out. Let me work on this paperwork and you go <laughs> and about your business. And that was me. I will argue you down. But now I'm like, okay, things change, you know. But I, yeah. I, faith is like top tier. And I, obviously, like I said, I lived pretty much all over. But I take faith jumps. When I took an opportunity in Philly for um, my internship, everybody mm-hmm. said I was crazy. Everyone said I was crazy. I have been watching this man on on TV since I was a kid. It was something about this restaurant. It was called Miss Tootsie's Restaurant. Um, it's actually Kyle Bell's godson. I kept watching him, and I would literally anytime we go to Philly, I would ask my parents to go, and they're like, "You can't go there. It's an adult restaurant. Like whatever, whatever." And I just like knew what I wanted to do. So my junior year, I wrote them a letter. They never received it. Quote unquote. I don't know. I got to Philly, or I, I begged my parents over break, like, hey, I, we got to go to Philly. Like, we got to go to Philly. We got to go to this restaurant. I brought my resume. I had no idea what I was walking into. I had two of my best friends there. We mm-hmm. went, we spent the weekend in Philly. We go into the restaurant. The server that was serving us is actually one of my close, one of my closest friends to this day now. But she helped, she led the way for that. And I was mm-hmm. telling her, like, hey, I've been watching it, you know, this place, whatever, whatever. I'm so interested. Like, you know, do they do they do internships? She was like, girl, I don't know. Like, mate, I don't think <laughs> so. But, like, you could try. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. my God. Like, what do I need to do? The owner, she was like, the owner over there. I was like, can you give him this resume and see, like, if he's interested? And she was like, yeah. She goes over there. Like I said, did me do that? At, no, I'm outgoing, but never that outgoing. Right, but right. I knew what I wanted, and right. the owner called me over and was a bang of people. Actually, Joe Scott was there that night, and wow. it was a lot of people. And they, um, she wasn't, she was upstairs singing. <laughs> but anyways, so there was a lot of people, a lot of polit- politicians, and just a lot of people like in the industry or different industries in Philly, and that were friends with him. And he was like, "You got one shot. Why do you want to work here?" And I don't know what I said. I like BS the whole entire thing. He was like, okay, <laughs> thank you. And I was like, all right. In my mind, I'm like, you gonna tell me what's up? And so to be honest with you, I walked, 
away feeling defeated like all right you just played yourself like that was stupid you just shot your shot at this man to get a job and he was just like all right get out my face he literally took my down my information they took down my or the server took down my information the next day i want to say he mm-hmm. called me or his assistant called me it was like when can you start and i was like no nah, you lying yo they really? were like no so i had left philly i was on my way to leave philly and I left and I went back and I told my advisor in Charlotte, I got an internship. They're like, where are you going? I'm like, to Philly. They're like, no, this is, it has to be, there's no, there's no way. Like, it's not legit. And I was like, no, I'm serious. And sure enough, my internship was in Philly so much that I went back during the summer to help out, went through to Made in America and was able to like go to the restaurant after, help out. Um, Made in America is like this big, music festival in philadelphia but Mm -hmm. they are so connected with the comcast center so i was able to help out any event that he needed me for i worked with the eagles a lot um meat mail used to hurt his mom literally used to call the restaurant and i would have to set up their parties like all the time i met rick ross on several occasions kevin hart joe scott like I met so many different celebrities from working there, but it was literally just me taking a leap out on stage. So once I've seen mm-hmm. that, how that kind of played out, yeah, yeah, I lived yeah. the rest of my life like that. So everything else I've do- been doing is jump, hop in the jump. Like if I think about it, I pray on it and then I do it. And that's just kind of how I live my life. It's kind of helped my friends kind of mm-hmm. adapt to mm-hmm. it too. My mm-hmm. best friend, she did. She was like, I don't want to do this. I'm like, all right, go ahead and do it. She's like, no, nah, I'm not about to do it. Now she's doing it. So, like, wow. you just kind of, <laughs> right, you right. know, right. kind of got to get into a niche and find out what works for you and be in tuned with yourself and mm-hmm. your, your, whoever you call a God. But, you know, in my mind, it's the only way I'm making it right now. And, yeah. Amen. So, That's right. That's right. Do you want to yeah. give them a shout out, that restaurant a shout out, or that gentleman a shout out for giving you that opportunity? Because you can. Yeah. Yes, of course. So, um, well, my heart goes to um, Parker, Kevin Parker. He owned Miss Tootsie's. However, he did pass away a few years ago. Um, so Miss Tootsie's is no longer in business, but I, I literally loved him. Like, literally, still do. Um, he definitely has helped me become a different adult and take a different journey. Um, but if you guys are ever in Philly, I'm telling you, everybody know who Mr. Parker is. You say KP, you say Kevin, you say Mr. Parker, whoever, South Street, 1312 South Street, everybody knew who he was. So, yeah, I mean, he's a legend in my eyes. Yeah. And how many, and how long did you work there? Just um, so my internship, yeah, so my internship was for a half a school year. Um, okay. So January to May, but then I stayed, I went back to work pretty much on the weekends and then whenever you needed me um, for events during the summer and then I started my master's program so I wasn't there too long but like I said anytime he needed me he would call me well you know what you didn't have to be there long right Mm -hmm. because it doesn't you know you you don't necessarily know how long the journey is supposed to be right right? it's just the fact that it's part of the journey right yep that's a great story that's a great, great story. So, Deanna, before we close, tell us where folks can follow you and inquire about your services. How can they get at you? Yeah, so my um, my business, my website is under construction right now. Um, however, I do have an Instagram. Um, you guys can follow me on there. 
I can give you guys the name is called Passports and Platters with the underscore at the end. And you guys can just follow me now. I'll be completely candid, guys. Do not hold me to it. I am working on that as well. I am not a social media person at all. <laughs> I know I'm young. She's also not a texter. She does not text No, I'm either. not a texter. Pick up the phone and call. I am super <laughs> old school. Okay? I'm super old school. That is for sure. But I'm working on it. Don't hold me to it. You're going to get on there and you're going to be like, how does this person got this followers but ain't got no pictures? Yeah, I know. I get it. Okay, I just hired a social media content guy. So hopefully that's in the works. Um, but the business, the page will be up soon. And you guys will see all the things that I've done or I do. And my fish fry and all that stuff will be on there by the time. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Do you have any last things or any you know, any goals you want to share or your dreams for passports and platters? Right now, I think just my goal is to to make this business my life so I can stop working for other people. <laughs> That's the first thing. <laughs> uh, but second thing, honestly, so I'm a firm believer. Like I said, you can be whatever you want to be, do whatever you want to do, go wherever you want to go. As long as you got a plan and you need plan and structure. Um, and as a kid, I didn't really understand structure, but as a teacher now, I understand kids like discipline. They like structure, like they really enjoy it. So understanding that, you know, I needed structure in my life and I needed to have a goal, um, has definitely helped me to where I'm at now. So that would be my pass on to anybody, you know, wherever you want to go, whatever you want to do. You gotta have a plan. You gotta have structure and strategy on how to get there. And of course, everything's not gonna go a straight path. No, right. life isn't. But you gotta have a plan B and a C and a D. Like if it ain't one way, it's another way. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like that's my personal life. That's my work life. That's my business life. That's my mommy life. All of that. If it ain't one way, it's gonna work. I just gotta figure it out. Right. So. That's what I would pass along. Right now, I'm kind of just cruising. This summer, I'm off from work because of, or from the school. But I have the business. So, you know, if you guys are interested in catering for the summer, hit me up on Instagram or whatever. Or my email, passportsandplatters at um, gmail.com. But yeah, birthday parties, whatever. I did just host my annual fish fry. It is a fundraiser to help um an aspiring hospitality student so anybody that's interested is typically it typically goes out to the greater Hartford area it's my second year doing it um last year I had a good turnout but this year I had a better turnout um mm-hmm. and I was very 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 elated from everybody that came out and supported and I really really appreciated it and donated so I will pick be picking the winner for that and posting that on Instagram soon but I did have three people go out for the scholarship so just stay awesome. tuned for that yeah so that's one of the things I just want to give back you know be a mm-hmm. blessing and stay blessed like that it literally goes right. hand in hand so that's right yeah. that's right and that is on the Instagram page because I saw it there. And you yes, don't have to be in the Greater Hartford area to donate people. So if you want to donate and support Deanna's fundraiser of sending a hospitality or a culinary arts student to school, feel free to reach out to her again on Instagram and please donate, 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 because every little dollar, every little amount does count and does bless somebody else. Yes, exactly. Well, family, that's it for this episode of the No Good People podcast. Thanks for joining me and my guest, Deanna Murphy. 
Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you hear something you like, be sure to share. Until next time, I'm Vera Smith Winfrey. And remember, it's always good to know good people. Thanks so much, Dee. Thank you for having me. For more podcasts from No Good People, visit Spotify, Audible, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks for listening.